This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. Brace yourselves, there's a lot to deal with here. Scott Owen. Firstly, Raw Fans of Melbourne are going to have your head for that. And Adam Pace. It's good to see that you're listening. Starting now. Here we go again. It's another edition of the Brisbane Football Review on Clutch Radio. Hello, everyone. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on this Wednesday evening as we've got a little bit to recap. Not as much as in previous weeks, but we should still have no trouble filling out an hour with our inane chit-chat. Adam, how are you? I'm good. It's a short week and, and uh, yeah, enjoying these shorter weeks. Well, for every short week, there is a long week. Scott, how's your week going? It's not too bad, James. I mean, it's five days since the Royal played, so it's been different. But Three games in seven days or six yeah. days, no, no no game in five, but enjoying the uh, the few days off before the last couple of games of the season. And also, silver lining is just, you know, away from the football and whatnot. We are in a wonderful run of uh, four-day working weeks as well, so we can also make the most of that because... There is a- that. A- apparently, every single public holiday needs to be condensed into the month of April and a little bit into May. It is weird, that, isn't it? Because you've got so many in this little six-week mm. period. You've got Easter, Anzac Day, Labor Day, Queen's Birthday. I'm probably mm. missing one. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. It would be nice to just have that um, ex- extra holiday, you know, around about... Actually, yeah, something later in the year as well. Just spread them out a little bit more. But it's never a holiday when it comes to watching the Raw, because... One way or another, the game seemed to go right down to the wire as it stands, and that was the case on Friday night. And we will recap it on this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, the email, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Facebook, The Raw Review. Twitter, at BNE Football. Instagram, Brisbane Football Review. Uh, on there, you can find live coverage of every senior Brisbane Raw A-Leagues match, men's and women's, as well as select national Premier Leagues men's and women's uh, games as well. Uh, You also can listen on our podcast feed, uh, which includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Wooshka. Pretty sure we're still on TuneIn. And we are also on A-League Live. And on there as well, you can also find our NPL Sunday show featuring Scott and Adam and some weeks other people as well. But that is where to go for the leading source of NPL news, scores, analysis, and everything else uh, NPL-related here in the Sunshine State. You will not get a better uh, recap show anywhere else. In the meantime, um, yes, we will turn our attention to the A-League as Adam just coughs up a lung uh, (laughs) off mic there. And I've got to be honest, the Raw, for quite a while, did build up a wonderful habit of scoring late goals. I kind of preferred it when they were, you know, the ones scoring late goals rather than being on the receiving end of the gut punches. But football being what it is, you do have to take the good and the bad. And Friday night against MacArthur, it was Jake McGing who was the unlikely hero for the finals bound Bulls, scoring, I think it was the 82nd minute winner to uh, consign the Raw to another defeat. It did look like Scott Neville was going to be able to rescue a point, but... In the end, it was simply a case of MacArthur taking their chances and the Raw not, Scott. Absolutely. You mentioned it was a gut punch. That's exactly what it was because the Raw had a lot of possession and territory and half opportunities in this. Oh, not half opportunities. They didn't really create enough, did they? That was the bottom line of it. They had a lot of possession and territory. They just did not do enough of it with it in that front third, unfortunately. And MacArthur had, I think, two, maybe three chances for the entire game. They ended up scoring 
two goals. And it's just that clinical, ruthless nature and the quality they have in the front though that allowed them to do that. Unfortunately, for everything the Raw did really well, James, they weren't able to finish it off, were they? And they did they did have a lot of possession in the game. Let's be fair. They they did they really did build through the second half. And that, when they got the equaliser through Scott Neville, you thought, well, that's a that's a deserved equaliser. And they deserved to come away with a point from from that game. But one defensive lapse and it's 2-1 to MacArthur. And they were just clinical and Brisbane weren't. The game should have been out of sight by then. I forget which game we were talking about uh, earlier in the year, though, where we were, to- we were laughing about how the Raw had had I think less than 40% of possession, but had beaten, I want to say, Perth 3-0 or something to that effect. And, you know, we kept saying, well, it's not how much possession you have, it's what you do with it. In this game, it very much was the reverse of that, where the Raw had 65% of possession, 18 shots, 5 on target. Uh, seven, of, 7 of their 18 shots were also blocked, which says a lot about the effort that MacArthur was putting into their defensive duties. And in the end, it was just, unfortunately, uh, not enough on the night. I think it was um, after Scott Neville scored, you thought, okay, it's got back to one all, and that's probably, that was probably a fair result. But uh, look, what it comes down to simply is that it's the it's the big moments. And when you have a big-time player like Ulysses Davia in your team, uh, basically he he laid on he scored himself in the first half just before half-time, and then he laid on the crucial pass to find Jake McGing to um to, to win it. So at the end of the day, and, and Warren Moon in in uh, his post-match press conference pretty much said it, that, you know, MacArthur had Ulysses Davia, they didn't, and that's the difference. Well, that's pretty much all you can really boil it down to. And... We'll go on to it now. The goal just before half-time, we, we spoke about McGing's goal being a sucker punch. That uh, long-range shot from Devere to beat Jordan Holmes. He kind of felt like the Raw were doing uh, pretty well to be going into the uh, break nil-nil against a side that was probably on paper the better team. But at nil-nil at half-time, you're thinking, this isn't going too badly, all things considered, Scott. Yeah, it would, nil-nil would have been a reasonable result given the first time. Again... To be fair, you could also argue the Raw maybe should have been 1-0 up, and if they had some the call in the front third that perhaps McCarthy, as you mentioned, Adam said, Warren Warren said they had they had the Vera and Brisbane didn't, but if, if they had the call in the front third, they had the they had the chances in the front third in terms of territory to get a goal. And unfortunately, it didn't fall for them. So but nil all would have been an acceptable result, but with the, with the amount of ball the Raw had, James, they should have been 1-0 up. They should have, but... It, they couldn't convert, and I I know what they're trying to uh, find a way to build towards, but really, it really does feel like they are taking the long way around to get there, doesn't it? It, it does, and I think what it comes back to, and there's a sort of a gripe of mine, you know, basic, and it, it goes with all the majority of young players in the A League, is that there's there's no instinct on goal. Like it, they're either trying to pass them pass it into the net. Or they're, they're taking the wrong touch. And look, that comes with experience. But again, you know, in a results-driven business, at some point you've got to say, well, you know, when, when is it, when is it going to change? You know, then you have a player, again, we bring up De Villa as, as the, you know, as the poster child for And look, he is one of the best players in the league. There's, there's no questions about it. But that, that is the difference. That, you know, he had the instinct to take that shot yeah, you know, and 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 beat Jordan Holmes. And pretty much, I reckon actually surprised Jordan Holmes more than anything because he did seem a little slow to react. And I think it was almost like yeah, you know, he caught him by surprise. And again, that was that was the halftime difference. 
It was, and you bring up an interesting point there, Adam, because last week we were talking about systems and everything, and it it does make me wonder, are we a little bit too focused on how these young players fit into the systems and maybe coaching the individuality out of the you know young players that we're seeing where maybe they, they're too worried about doing exactly what the tactics board says. And this isn't just a raw-specific thing. It's you know an Australia-wide problem. It's a Dutch I'll, thing, really, isn't it? It's the Dutch mentality to brought in football since 2005. That's a very Dutch thing to be very systems-orientated and rigid to that. Yeah, and, you know, they say these are the sorts of goals we want our system to produce. Are we now getting a little bit too focused maybe on, you know, if you've got a player that can be an individual difference maker, should maybe a little bit more scope and leeway be given to them, despite the fact that they are definitely the junior player in the team? You know, could one of the young players that they've brought up from the NPL side be thinking, I've got to defer to this person, I've got to defer to this senior player? And, and not not you know, out of any hostile pressure, I suppose, but more, do they want to, like, do they feel like they have to defer to the senior players? I think this is a very subjective issue because I think the, for, for our sort of view, there's going to be nerds out there that um, that are really sort of, you know, based on the, the sort of the whole, I'm not talking about my good, my good colleague there, but... Um, no, but I mean, like, so there are, and like, so there are podcasts out there and whatnot that go into depth, like, uh, into methods and systems and all that. And I think they'll probably vehemently disagree with the point that we're making. But I think, I think it's a fine balance. I think you just can't, you can't let uh, players willy-nilly just go and um, and be and be a bunch of individuals because that that also can throw it out. And I think that's a, a lot of the, um, I guess, the criticism of some of the more of some other young players is that you know they, they go so far out of the system that they're hard to rein in so it, it's a really um, delicate balance I think that, that sort of shows what, what state of flux that the youth development is in Australia at the moment is that that basically they can't, that they can't find the balance between coaching the individual the individualism out of you know certain players versus you know having them all play like um, play in a system like drones and just going back a couple of minutes for those of you uh, listening at home, Scott did just go Kyrie Irving on the Boston crowd to uh, Adam when he was talking about <laughs> the nerds. <laughs> but anyway, it is an interesting point though where I feel like the... I'm probably a little bit of a dinosaur in that I don't necessarily like the over-quantification of football with advanced metrics and whatnot, but I do think there is a place for those sorts of stats when it comes to breaking down a football match but you still can't completely eliminate the human element the eye test and everything about it as well because you know xg might say that a player could have uh, was a 91.7 percent chance of scoring from said position but you know if you're playing on a dreadful pitch and the ball is bobbling maybe it changes here and there I don't, I don't know. I think. I just think you don't want to get too far down the numbers rabbit hole. But conversely, you know, if you can see a player missing chance after chance after chance, like, you know, we have seen uh, some do in the past, uh, Mensa Katishi for one, where I kind of look at it and go, no, nah, that, that's one of those times where the stats and the eye test does sort of measure up. Now we will go to our resident nerd, Scott. Firstly, shout out Mensa Katishi if he's listening to this. That's a nice um, railroad from you there, James. 
Secondly, that's not the first time I've been referred to as that, so thank you very much. Well, I don't like any of this XG stuff either, to be honest with you. I think it's a load of nonsense, to tell you the truth. But I do remember, just back to the cricket thing, I remember John Aloisi rallying against it back in the day as well, when he was here, about the fact that they didn't actually teach the players to head the ball. That was completely taken out the curriculum, and he was completely against it. So I think, to, to your point, there's a certain element of that needs to come out. But back to the actual game. The rule, did they really create any clear-cut chances in that first half? There was one ball played across the box from the right, which went right across the back post and no one attacked it. But I can't recall too many real clear-cut chances. But just the problem is that for all the possession the Raw had in the front third, I can't seem to recall any real clear-cut opportunities that they that came from it. And that's, the, that's that cutting edge which Adam was referring to. There was that one chance, I want to say... It wouldn't have been too long before Devere's goal, where I'm pretty sure... I, I forget which one of the uh, players it was, but had the open shot at goal and wound up trying to pass it away. And that was pretty much summing up, I think, what we were all talking about, where you know, if they just have the confidence to take the shot on themselves, it might they might blaze it over the bar, they might send it wide, but that feels infinitely less frustrating than turning down the shot. Like, I, I forget which... I'm going heavy on basketball for some reason today, but what is it? You miss 100% of the shots you don't take? Yeah. Playoff time. That's why yeah. you're into it. And yeah, Boston's that... good for a change. Hey, how many banners? 17? Here we go. Well, anyway. Well, that's... Uh... Who's team won one more recently, by the way? Speaking of Kyrie Irving. Yeah, well, it's easy for him to dribble when he thinks the earth is flat. But anyway, um, we, will, we will stick to football as well and just... Continue to continue to talk about like it does feel like um, that summed up the raw season, and that was what we heard Warren Moon say in his post game press conference as well. And I feel like I've kind of just essentially um, given up the clip that we were going to run with, so we'll leave it there as is. And go to Scott and say, is this game essentially the summary of what the raw season has been? You know, trying to knock on the door but really being unable to get through it. I think so. I think. I think it probably does sum up the season quite unfortunately. To say the truth, Dad, it's been a season where the Raw have done plenty of things well, but ultimately they're just a little bit short in a couple of key areas, and that's what needs to be addressed over the um, over the off season. And Warren said that a couple of different times in the press conferences after the games. Now, I think it's pretty clear there's a couple of areas of the field that need strengthening. They do they do a few things well. They they do plenty plenty right on Friday night against Macarthur, but ultimately they've just come up a bit short, haven't they? Yeah, and on that, Adam, as well, I do feel like one of the main issues we're seeing is there has been quite, you know, a decent amount of player unavailability all throughout the season, and it has resulted in some of the guys being square pegs in round holes just to try and field the best 11 possible. I think that's uh, one, one of the byproducts of the season is that it's maybe not so entirely... Um, this, this, the playing squad's fault. You know, at the end of the day, when, when you struggling to keep that continuity as far as the same lineup and obviously as well, you know, for you know, forced rotations because of, you know, three games in six days and, and stuff like that. It's very, very hard to sort of, you know, put anything together. But then again, you can't shy away from the fact that in some occasions they just haven't been good enough. And uh, like I said, they're, they're, they're devoid in some positions which are vital that has probably been overlooked. So... It's going to be. It, I think the when it comes all said and done, as far as the review of it all is that um, 
is that yeah look i think it's ne- i think it's near enough but it's, it's certainly not good enough and uh like i said it, it's i think um the rebuild i think will go on uh, into next season well we will don't say talk about rebuilds please don't talk about rebuilds after today we will talk about um what what changes we want to see for the squad when we get to our season ending uh podcast in well i guess it will be mid-may by the time the roars uh catch-up fixtures are completed but it hasn't been all doom and gloom. I, I do think the fact that Eli Adams has been able to return from his overseas trial, he's looked like he belongs there. Uh, Jez Lofthouse hasn't had as many minutes as I think most would have hoped as well, but I do think he's getting a real taste of just how big of a uh, gap he's got to make up from dominating the NPL to uh, being a full-time professional A-League player. And I think all three of us are in agreement that he is definitely capable of making that leap, but he does just need probably a little bit more time the rest of the season, a full preseason next year. And, you know, you've still got the other young players like Parsons, Hoare, etc., who, you know, do have a little bit of a spark when they do get onto the pitch. Yeah, I think we've gone 15 minutes. I haven't spoken about Bill Adams. Let's talk about him. He was absolutely fantastic when he came on off the bench, wasn't he? His impact off the bench was absolutely superb. I think he, he hit the post once. He had a couple of really good opportunities cutting in on his left foot. And he, he was, I think he was probably the Raw's most consistent dangerous threat over the night over the second half wasn't he? he was the one player who had the ability and willing to take a shot from the edge of the box and he had two or three really good opportunities and on another day we've seen those flying at the NPL level from him so that's that's by far and away his best impact at the a-league level and it's good to see him making that impact we know he would have played a lot more until this point if, if not for the fact he was away on trial in europe for a couple of months but his impact on friday was absolutely outstanding when he came on early in the second half. I thought he was probably the Raw's best player. Far be it from me to um, you know tell the Raw how to conduct their business, but if they haven't uh, upgraded Adams to a senior contract to just see how serious some of that overseas interest was, I really hope they're doing it sooner rather than later. Yeah, look, uh, I think it's I think Eli Adams, it just continues the, 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 the I guess the, the number of prospects that the Raw has that we've seen come through the, the MPL, the academy system. It's just a matter now of trying to keep that nucleus together, make a couple of additions uh, in the off season. I think, I think the prospects will be a lot better. I think as far as you know, you know, pushing into the eight and beyond. I think that's that's where they need to go from here. Is back back the youngsters, and I hope with three games left, that, that that's where they sort of go. And those that are really surplus requirements. Uh, yeah, I think we, I think for some players we may have already seen the last of them, but uh, I think I think for these last three games, I think it just they've just got to back four four games. Sorry, uh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. Oh, I forgot three home games plus Adelaide. I'm oh, sorry, I forgot Scott, about that. But in, in Scott and I both games, just held up four fingers. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, but even before games, that's that's 360 minutes worth of football left this season for the Raw, and uh, I think that's. Uh, yeah, it might be time to sort of really sort of seriously blood some of these young players because I think they, they, at the moment, look like the short-term future for the club. Yeah, much like another club who went missing in a major match this morning. Just If, if there's players moving on, just put them to one side and play the players are going to be here next year. And for the Raw, that's going to be a lot of the younger players, isn't it, James? I mean, we talked about Eli. There's four games. Give him a start. Let's see what he can do from the start. It doesn't necessarily have to be on Anzac Day against Melbourne Victory. There's to your point, there's three other games after that which you can do that and give him an opportunity from the start. I mean, we talked about it last week with Jets, wasn't it? You give him a start against Melbourne Victory. He now learns the level that the intensity and quality from the start of an A-League game. 
now you know what the level needs to be for him to get to. Give Eli the same opportunity. Let's get Alex. Alex Bunn started, didn't he, on Friday he night? He did, yeah. Give him another couple of runs because he's looked really sharp since he returned to the side. So just give the young players opportunity. I mean, at this point, yes, you would get a spoiler, but I think give the young players an opportunity and see exactly what you have. And then that might help you determine what what direction you go going forward. Because I think there needs, there's going to be some changes, obviously, but I think the young players are going to be a big part of it as well. Yeah, I think that, I think they have to be as well. And, you know, just to continue with the Eli Adams praise, I have to admit, up until about a week or maybe two ago, I was convinced that Alex Parsons was the best of that bunch of young NPL graduates coming into the first team. But, but Adams' performance in the last couple of weeks have finally made me see why a lot of the praise has been heaped on um, on Adams for the last little while as well. And, you know, it's not to say the rest of them are rubbish, far from it, but it's also nice to know that they do have players that do look like they can play at A-League level coming through the uh, youth system, which is, again, we keep saying, that is exactly what the academy was set up to produce going back to, what was it, January 2018, when it was uh, officially launched, I want to say? There or thereabouts. Yeah, it feels like that. It feels like that long ago. But um, yeah, and I also, and we also say those players as well. But also the important, another important part of that is Cyrus Demi. That I think that he still needs to get opportunities to to get that to break that maiden goal. We we all uh, live in hope that you know once he gets one, they'll start coming. And he he put in on on Friday night. He put in you know another sort of tough performance. Got belted around a bit. You know, and ha- had sort of you know some half opportunities. But that, that's all part of the education for him. I think that, you know, he, like I said, and obviously if they are really going out and targeting, if, if op- opposing teams are, uh, that's obviously got to be, you know, a bit of a badge of honour for him because uh, obviously they, they, they know that he's dangerous and they if they give him opportunity, he might make him pay. He hasn't done it at A-League level, but someone's going to pay at some point. Yeah, and that is, I suppose, the continuing storyline that we need to follow with Demi is the fact that he keeps getting all of his uh, opportunities. It's just... And- and that's probably the uh, biggest uh, compliment I'll give him right now is the fact that we haven't seen his effort levels drop despite the frustrations of not scoring a goal so far. I do think he's still got, you know, plenty more to offer. And I know there are some willing to write him off because he hasn't scored yet, but you've got to remember he's, what, 19? At some, at some point that goal is going to come, and I'm not ready to say that, you know, the Raw should cut ties with him right now. What I would like to see is... You know, find a way to get him to work with as many you know strikers um, as he can over the off season. I know Shane Smeltz was doing some stuff with the, uh, the Raw over the course of the season, I believe, and just talk to who he can as well. That that's really all you can do for uh, Cyrus Demi. Anyway, I'm amazed that we got uh, 22, 23 minutes out of that game. What do you say we wrap it up with the three, two, one, Scott? Sure, why not? So for me, it's up to me this week. So three for Eli Adams, two for Alex Bath, and one for Scotty Neville. There we go. All right, so four games to go for the Raw. We will look ahead to the Anzac Day clash against Melbourne Victory at the very end of the show. In the meantime, we're going to go a little bit more local and talk about the Easter weekend fixtures in the Australia Cup and the National Premier Leagues, as well as the Kappa Women's Super Cup. And we will start off with, let's go to Scott and say... What caught your eye in the local leagues this weekend? Uh, it was probably the the, um, the Saturday afternoon game out at um, Corporate Tribe Stadium between Brisbane City and Lions SC. Firstly, it was great to see football back, men's football back at 
at Corporate Trail Blanchard 7. It was their first, or second game of the season. They played their women's game there last week, but this was a big game for them. It was their first home game in the NPL men's this season. It was against Brisbane, against Lions SC in the Classico. It was a wonderful occasion out there and some a very pretty even game with some really good football from both sides. But the, once again, the combination between up front for Lions between Alex Fechner and Andy Pengelly is absolutely outstanding. We spoke about it on the Sunday show, but that combination right now is the most lethal in the competition. And the, the way Alex Fechner took his goal on Saturday afternoon, it was only a half chance at best. And it was just a superb finish from a player who is in red-hot form at the moment. Adam? Uh, I'm going to go to the Saturday night game that we also attended uh, between uh, Peninsula Power and Gold Coast Knights. And this was a typical, you know, clutch of the heavyweight stalemate, which was, um, which at the end of the day was, uh, the difference was a brilliant set piece uh, free kick from Ante Poliak, who is probably another player who's in red hot form in, in the, uh, in the uh, National Premier Leagues at the moment. So, yeah, that, that's probably the one stand. I think Gold Coast Knights, their first loss of the season, but I don't think it's panic stations yet for them. Um, again, Peninsula Power are showing that, you know, their toll defence may not be um, done, done for just yet. After that, after, yeah, after sort of a slow start, they've, they've really sort of, you know, come along. And I think Ante Pollock is really sort of, you know, you know that becoming that player that, that they really needed, you know, to, to lead the line. Yeah. All right, well, I've got a few things that uh, left out for me, and I'm going to start on Thursday night uh, up at um, Adam's Neck of the Woods where the Raw got a much-needed 2-1 win over uh, Morton Bay as well. That was a big win uh, for them in that game. Going to the uh, game I had a little bit more uh, to do with, and that was the Australia Cup... I should know which region it was. Uh, Far North. Far North and Gulf, thank you between Mariba United and Edge Hill and Edge Hill marching on with a fairly convincing performance the second goal that they scored uh, that Edge Hill scored to take the lead that they would eventually never surrender from David Davitadza was phenomenal strike into the top corner and there was a little bit more late drama in the Kappa Women's Super Cup Thursday as well with Penn Power uh, notching a late winner over Eastern Suburbs I have to admit I was almost tempted because like, pretty much all NPL and FQ commentary is done remotely out of Cooparoo. Uh, now we don't go to the grounds anymore. I have to admit, I was tempted after the Australia Cup game wrapped up if that uh, Kappa Women's Super Cup game went to extra time and penalties, just saying, ah, oh, any chance you want to throw me on the microphone for the final half hour of that one? Because it did look like a very good game. Yeah, well, they don't let you into NPL games anymore. Let's be brutally honest. That's why you commentate the games remotely. <laughs> that's, that's number one, but... What's on the edge hill? Is, um, is the great Josh Taylor still playing for them up front? Or is he coaching these days? Assistant coach. Okay. Yes, um, and uh, Chris O'Hare is the head coach and the chief playmaker as well. So <laughs> yeah, Chris is still running around and Josh is, Josh is hung up the boots. It's oh, no, Chris O'Hare playing, playing on the right wing. Retire. Oh, good. <laughs> I no, no, he's, 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 a hell, he's a hell of a player, you know... Uh, we've see, seen him, you know, when when Cairns FC and Far North Queensland were playing in the MPL. He was he was a great player, so it's good to see him still involved up there. And I'm sure Edge Hill will probably fancy chances of getting to the national rounds again. I certainly don't see why not. They uh, started off their Easter weekend on a very good note. Speaking of the Australia Cup as well, a survey came out in the last little while. Um, 
just asking for some audience feedback about some of the uh, possible options for the uh, Cup in 2022 once it hits the national stage. So it prompted an idea, uh, just as we were prepping for this show as well, where if you could make one change for the Australia Cup, since the name has already been changed, Scott, what change would you make in terms of the national stage? I would um, introduce a little bit of a playoff system to get into the national round of 32. You really like, do you, I don't know how big of a basketball fan you are since you brought it up, James. The um, NCAA tournament recently, how you have the play-in I thing. hate those. I, I hate would just literally say, so I would have the bottom six A-League clubs playing off against an additional six teams from the uh, member federations. I wouldn't take out any teams who earn their spot currently. So the teams who qualify from the MPL currently or member federations... They're still all in. I would bring an additional six to play off against the bottom six A-League sides and a one-off game to get into the national round of 32. I think that would be... That's how I think you can expand the competition. I don't think going to 64 teams is um is realistic in all truth. I think that might be a bit of a stretch in terms of how many teams you would have in from each state, but that sort of idea to add an additional half-dozen teams might not be a bad idea. Well, just on that as well, if you are going to add in the National Second League, uh, you're probably going to have to wind up putting in... Um, you may have to find eventually expanded to 64 teams if those clubs are all going to uh, receive entry into the uh, Australia Cup National Stage. I don't think you, I don't think there's a depth at the moment to go out to 64. I, I think you can probably get away with perhaps 48 with a with like in that sort of that play-in format as such. Not not exactly. It's not exactly like six. Like you just ba- randomly six or anything like that. Or actually, just the follow-up thought on that as well. Or you just let 48 teams in and you just give 16 a buy in the first round of yeah. the uh, cup. Yeah, exactly. Like you, yeah, you 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 have a buy or something. So you have eight matches to sort of as as your round one, and and like I said, you could, yeah, I don't know what you call it. I think maybe even you know get rid of the, the um, vernacular of oh, of it being round of thirty two, round of sixteen, all that, and just call it round one, round two, and whatever. But uh, look, if I if I also um, have one change based on that, I I think the yeah, you know, get, getting rid of extra time and and just going straight to penalties after 90 minutes. I think that's a world trend now, and I think the yeah the the extra time. I think that's going to go away with the, with going stink like the dodo. I think eventually. So I'd get in first and make it cutthroat. I think that's a very good point because you think about the um the A League versus MPL teams, James. The MPL sides can typically hang around in a game for 65 to 70 minutes, and then. The problem is, if they're level at that point, they know they've got another hour to play. And the A-League sides always have, invariably have the greater fitness and can run over the top of them. So, and we saw that with the um, Gold Coast Knights, actually, against Melbourne Victory. That game was really, really tight for about, for the full 90 minutes, wasn't it? And then it was only in the, in the extra time period where Victory's physical fitness told over that night side. So I think if you did cut it off at 90 minutes and that goes straight to penalties, you might see more of those MPL sides progressing further into into the rounds against A-League opposition because in extra time, how many times have we seen MPL versus A-League actually make it all the way to penalties? I'd be amazed if it's more than one or two and the reason is that superior fitness just tells out. It's not necessarily who's playing better and who's not playing better. It's just genuinely that physical fitness tells in the end. And I think that's, if you can take that variable out of it, you might get some more, um, some more wild results. I'm admittedly, I'm more in the camp of uh, supporting extra time 
But because you are dealing with uh, uh, semi-pro clubs uh, for the member federations, I actually don't mind the idea of removing um, removing uh, the extra 30 minutes and just sending it straight to penalties, especially because one of the questions in that survey was, do you want games to be played midweek or on weekends? And let's be honest, for these guys, if you're, you know, a Lions, Pen Power, Gold Coast Knight, like one of the NPL clubs hosting a game and you've got to work all day, finish, if you're lucky, four o'clock, get to the ground and get yourself ready to play. That's a long day for you as well. And you've got to remember that most of these guys do have day jobs and it is something that you would have to think uh, it might lead to, as you say, a few more cup sets, which does lead to the other uh, part of the draw that, or change that I would uh, propose, which is... um, and it was admittedly meant to come in last year before COVID border closures stu- uh, stuffed that plan up. But I, w- I want to see a fully open draw. You know, A-League clubs can play A-League clubs. NPL clubs can play NPL clubs. Anything. Just make it uh, wide open. You don't need to, you know, try and manufacture this Magic of the Cup run all the time where you're guaranteeing uh, NPL side making the semifinals you're already giving them a little bit of an advantage starting it in the middle of their season while a lot of the A-League clubs are in pre-season. And I would hope that that is where you're going to uh, find a way to possibly open up the draw a little bit. And if you do get a true Magic of the Cup run, you might be able to uh, really just get on board that little bit more as well. But yeah, keep keep the games midweek, fully open national draw, straight to penalties and... uh, yeah, maybe maybe expand the draw out a little bit to forty eight teams once that national second league comes in. I, I actually just sorry, just on one point, I actually would like to see weekend games at least for the early rounds. I, like similar to how the FA Cup is is in um, is in England and I'm sure in many parts of the world where it's a dedicated weekend. I don't think you can play weekends the whole way through, but certainly uh, certainly you know round one, round two. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, obviously, you could take advantage of you know because obviously, as well, that that lead then bleeds into a whole question about oh, some clubs get displaced because of of you know the lighting issues and whatnot. But if you play it in, during the day, if you schedule in the day, then obviously a lot of these clubs will then regain their advantage of being to play at home at their traditional venue, not somewhere that is sort of in the location, but but uh, it goes away, and you can only do that. Uh, if you have have weekends, and we've seen some really good examples of that over the FFA Cup the last season, James. Obviously now the Australia Cup. We think not just in here in Queensland where Lions got to host against Brisbane Raw on a Sunday afternoon. It was a great at great afternoon out there at the Gold Line there. Then that one, but also down in Adelaide where Adelaide Olympic played Adelaide United, and that was a really good game where they got a great crowd down there at their local home ground as well. So I definitely think that's the way. Is that you don't want. We've seen too many times now, particularly up here in Queensland, where games have to be moved to places like Perry Park or Cusack or Dolphin Stadium, which is not the home of any any NPL teams. Well, Perry Park is, but not not the home of most teams who play. They're like Olympic play their home games in the Cup at Perry Park, for example. That's not that's not their home. So I think definitely getting games at the traditional homes of these clubs that that should be the absolute priority. And I think to be fair. We've seen now that all these guys are going to have broadcasting done there. All the NPL games are broadcast and done to a pretty good level, so I don't see why it's possible, as James Shakespeare said, so maybe he's not very fond of some of it. He can clarify that in a moment. But I think it's to, all these guys have shown they've got the capability 
to house broadcasting. So I would definitely think that would be that should be a priority of getting these games back to their traditional homes. The only point I would make on that as well is some of the grounds can definitely house like uh, broadcast. Some of them, as we've seen, don't have the best camera position as well, and it is very different running. Uh, what is what we get for MPL, which is just a single high uh, camera, hopefully at halfway and hopefully not at ground level. Uh, whereas you know, for um, like we saw at um, Carrara when they uh, when Fox had the um, well, A League Women or W League at the time um, raw game, where there were all sorts of transmission issues out of there, um, and it just I, I do think some of these grounds aren't necessarily able to host what would be the necessary multicam uh, broadcast as well. Huh? But are we uh, are we overcomplicating things for the first for the uh, first or second Probably. round? Is in the national rounds like does it does it really need the multi camera setup? Like I, yes. I get it for a semi final, you know, or a quarter final. But when you're in round one, round two, like I personally, I think the single single camera, if there's even um, coverage at all. I think I think that's I think that that's sufficient. I think, uh, and that, and that's where I guess the transi- the um, transmission issues could come in issue when you're trying to do too much, you know, on unlimited resources. At the end of the day, single camera position, you know, for those games, I, I personally don't have an issue with it. A lot of games were single camera. Well, that's my point. And mm. if they're only going to use one camera, why wouldn't you play these games on a weekend at their traditional yeah. grounds as opposed to what is essentially a neutral venue? I thought so. Because I thought, most of the games were one camera, weren't they? I thought there were at least two. You had a high camera and a roving one on the sideline, and I do think you need at least two cameras for the national stage. But you are going to have to up the production level just a little bit to you know give it that sort of um, that push. And you know, you look at the clubs that qualify from Queensland. I don't think um, most of them would have many issues having two or even three cameras. At the ground, like the NPL Grand Finals were a three-camera setup, but yeah, overall, I just I do think you need multiple uh, cameras to make it work on the national stage, whether it is a daytime or nighttime kickoff. But you can mix it you can mix it around as well because you know if some clubs think you know playing the game on you know Devonport Strikers for example, wouldn't you much rather host uh, you know the a-League club or like an NPL side from the Northern Territory on a miserable rainy Tuesday night you know and take every possible advantage the same would go for a lot of the Victorian clubs as well where you're hosting games in June July play everything to your advantage but you can find you can you just got to find that right balance with it all as well what I do know for certain though is that we are all very much looking forward to the Australia Cup national stage being back bring on the open draw bring on the cup set and bring on a whole lot more excitement. Certainly sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun for us. Now, what is coming up in the slightly more immediate future? This Monday at Morton Daly Stadium is shaping up to be a big day for Brisbane Raw. Three years after their inaugural Anzac Day clash. They're back at it again thanks to, uh, well, luckily, no uh, more COVID outbreaks, touch wood, where... Uh, they are hosting the Melbourne Victory this time around. It is a 2pm kickoff for the A-League men's game, but there are plenty more festivities going on beforehand. There is the Raw Legends game kicking off at 12.15pm. And Scott, we do have a couple more names 
added to the Raw Legends roster. We do, but just before we get to those, if anything should happen between now and next week, James, that's all on you for, for daring to tempt fate on that, so that's all on you. But in terms of the players, we mentioned the first four last week who, um, the first four Raw Legends have announced their second four in the last few days, and there's a bunch of new, cha- bunch of championship winners here with Enrique, Matt Smith, the two time championship winning captain, and John Carlos Salorzno all returning to where the Raw colours once again, as well as the Morton Bay United head coach and foundation player Royce Brown. So that's the first eight. So I'm not sure how many more there's going to be. I imagine there'll be at least four more, but we'll have to wait and see. Plenty of championship experience amongst that group, James. Certainly, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot to look forward to uh, from that Raw Legends game as well. And there will, of course, be the pre-game Anzac Day ceremony as well. So if you are heading out to the ground, make sure you get to your seats nice and early. That's all I'm going to say in terms of plugging that. Um, the other point that I actually did want to uh, make as well, uh, other quick plug, is uh, Optus Sport have a really good interview with Thomas Broich up there as well. So I would strongly recommend going and checking that out if you haven't already. Now, Adam, I need to cough up a lung, so can you tell us uh, what you're expecting from this raw Melbourne victory game? Uh, look, I'm, I'm expecting... Um Melbourne Victory, obviously, they're, they're, they're going to be sort of smarting up that nil all draw uh, down in Melbourne uh, last week. So I think I expect them to come out and try and sort of, you know, try and get momentum up again. I think I think the, the premiership hopes are gone, but I certainly think that, you know, they, they'll be looking for a strong finish. And you know, on a big occasion, I think they'll, they'll come out hard and play. I think for the Raw, it might be a spoiler effort where, you know, they, they need to sort of, you know, go out and and sort of look to try and disrupt Melbourne victory and, and sort of, you know, really, you know, make it a real hostile sort of, you know, fast-paced game for them. Absolutely. Play spoiler. They played spoiler last week away to Melbourne victory and probably probably took away their premiership hopes. But go, go ahead and make sure of it next week on Anzac Day and ensure they can't finish in the top two. That would be... That's what you do at this point if you're all. But this is... It's a big occasion. It's a big day for Brisbane. We'll note about that. And you've got to give them credit. They have... They have worked very hard to ensure that this game happens as a regular fixture on the calendar and that it's a Brisbane Raw fixture. They've worked very hard. They were the first club who jumped into it and they've made made great efforts to do that. So congratulations to them. Hopefully it's a really good occasion. And for the Brisbane Raw players, okay, there might not be anything to play for in terms of the actual season going forward, James, but this is an occasion you can really get yourself up for. So, right, this is... We're going we're gonna to go out there and put on our absolute best in this game in front of what should be a good crowd on a significant day against a good opponent and you get yourself up for it in that way and you make a name for yourself. I think that's that's the way to go. Yeah, that's it. Like Finals, by the time they kick off, the Raw could finally officially be mathematically eliminated uh, from the finals. I think for this game and looking forward for the rest of the season, for the individual players, your main goal now is to put on the best display possible and show that you still want to try and finish the season on a high note. For the club, I think the goal still needs to be finished as high on the uh, table as possible and pick up as many points. So, four games to go. Currently on 22 points uh, level with the Wanderers who are about to kick off in about 20 minutes. So, the Wanderers will lose their game in hand. For me, I think you need to be targeting a finish of at least ninth place. How many points are they out of eighth place? Hmm. Uh, Eighth place Mariners are on 30 points. Um... However, what might be slightly more realistic, Sydney FC, two more games played, nine points in advance. So if you win your two games in hand, 
final game of the season is against Sydney FC. Now, the reason just why... Just thinking purely for the Australia Cup qualification. Yeah. If they can get into the top eight, they don't have to do the playoffs. You, you, son, that was exactly what I was about to say. Uh, you almost swore there for the first <laughs> time in six and a half years. You almost swore on this show. I know. That's try how... a bit harder next week to actually get you to have to bring out the curse button. Oh, well, go... No, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say, like, your goal probably should be trying to catch Sydney FC. Like, you've got you've got the opportunity to do that. And if you can at least get yourself into ninth or 10th, that does give you the home ground advantage in the Australia Cup uh, qualification. If you can get yourself up to 8th, that's great. But the, the bare minimum pass mark now is just uh, played out there. And... You know, Moon has spoken uh, quite a while, like quite often in the last few weeks about, um, you know, just wanting players that will put in an honest effort going forward. I think that kind of means we will see over the next four weeks of players that he's either sure will be around next season or is trying to make a decision on uh, for next year, Adam. Is there anyone in particular you're keeping an eye on uh, over the final four games? Look, I think... Uh... I think I'd go a little bit more short-sighted and, and say, you know what, it'll, you know, first of all, it's Monday, Anzac Day, it's a banner game against a banner opposition. I agree what Scott says, make a name for yourself. Because these are the, game, these are the games that, you know, if a player sort of really sort of, you know, has a big performance, the fans remember them. They're not going to remember what happens on a Tuesday night against Central Coast Mariners in a few weeks' time. But if a player can step up on Anzac Day on the big stage, you know, they're, they're, the, they're the things that remember. So I'm looking, I'm looking at a player like a Cyrus Demi. I'm looking at a player like an Eli Adams or a Henry Hoare to really sort of, you know, to do something big and, you know, really put their names up in lights, you know, as far as on the big stage for this game. And then, but then after that, the last three games of the season, then you're right. There may be a target of eighth place, you know, trying to avoid those, uh, those wretched Australia Cup playoffs might be the goal. But at the moment, I think... At least put it all on the line on Monday for Anzac Day. Well, on that as well, talking about making memories on Anzac Day, establishing this as a Brisbane Raw fixture, it's probably worth remembering the last time the Raw played on Anzac Day was that quite memorable in the end uh, 2019 encounter with Adelaide United at Suncorp Stadium, where I think three of us were up in the media box. And uh, I can think of two things, well, three things which stand out uh, from that game. First of which was. Uh, actually, yeah, three things would stand out from that game. Uh, Zachary Duncan's inch-perfect slide rule pass for uh, what led to Eric Bortiak's kind of muff Penenka penalty. <laughs> yeah, that, I remember that. <laughs> yep, so those are the first two things. And the third one, of course, being uh, Matt Mackay's final game for the Raw A-League side as well, where I, I still love the fact that he got subbed off Raw losing, I want to say, 5-3 at that point. And um, they wound up... Uh, he finally untucked his shirt, walking off the pitch. That's what I remember from that game. Yeah, that, the other memory I had was I ran into the, the incoming coach at halftime in the in the um, upstairs area there at Suncorp. So that was that was odd as well. But also, you mentioned Zach Duncan making names up on Anzac Day. He did that, didn't he? he was, mm. We knew he was an energetic midfielder, but that was by far and away to his best performance in a Brisbane Raw shirt. And... He really did make a name for himself on Anzac Day. So to Adam's point, the young players step up. Yep. Not, not that they have it, but this is a great opportunity to show what you can do on a big stage on a big day. Yep. Because I do think this will be a really big annual fix. It may not always be against Melbourne Victory, 
but it'll be a, I think Brisbane Raw playing at home on Anzac Day is going to become a fixture on the A-League calendar for years to come and if you can make a name for yourself on this stage go for it it'd be, it'd be why not it'd be it's probably the biggest game of the Raw season isn't it when you look at it you think about another coach James the um, Anzac Day fixture the teams who play in it it's their biggest home and away fixture the way they look at it it's their biggest home and away fixture outside of finals for the Raw it should be the exact same yep and, and I do like the fact that the Raw are trying to establish certain dates as you know theirs on the calendar as well yeah like I can yeah I have to admit I wasn't completely listening to you Scott yeah, uh, Adelaide remember you don't listen say, to me most of the time anyway <laughs> exactly well say something useful then um, <laughs> then the Australia, where's that curse button then the Australia Day Big Blue and whatnot, and the Central Coast New Year's Eve thing and I do like that the Raw are at least trying to do something uh, for Anzac Day because you look at you know expanding out into the other codes where there isn't really an Anzac Day fixture here in Queensland so that that will be uh, something that we'll hopefully see built on over the next few years as the rule to continue to I suppose establish some more traditions with the club now I think that is actually going to be about it so final predictions Adam what are we going to be talking about this time next week I think uh, ex- exciting contest uh, at at Redcliffe as uh, Raw and Victory share the points. Scott? I think the Raw will beat them. I think they'll win the game when it ends it day. I think it's a big occasion. I think they'll be up for it. I think they'll win the game. And they'll ruin Victory's top two hopes, which would be a very, very nice bonus to add to it. I don't know why everyone says we're sadistic. I just don't get it. But conversely as well, it, it probably needs to be said, the Victory are backing up off a game on Friday night as well. So it's not like they're going to have you know, the best turnaround. So they'll probably be flying into Southeast Queensland Saturday, a couple of days to get used, uh, to get the lactic acid out of the legs. I'm, I honestly think the Raw are going to finish stronger. I don't know if it's going to be enough to get all three points, but I do think we're going to see a goal after the 80th minute for the Raw to make it interesting. That's, that's as far as I'm willing to go for that. And I'm also actually going to say that, uh, that goal will come from Eli Adams. Ooh, big See, now that's the football expert at work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Good to talk to you once again. Thank you, Adam. Yep, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been a pleasure keeping you company for the last 50 or so minutes. Um, get out to the local clubs once again this weekend, taking the NPL, FQPL action and whatnot that's set to unfold and uh, then get out to Morton Daly Stadium Monday afternoon for the Raw's third last home game of the A-League men's season and we'll be back to recap it all here on the Brisbane Football Review on Clutch Radio next Wednesday we'll talk to you then